All right. Praise the Lord. It's always a blessing to be back with you guys. For you that don't know me, I'm Ken Amador. Uh, I've been here a few times. And I'm always grateful for Pastor Rich asking me to come and share God's Word with you guys. And as I've said before, you know, I always try to preach messages that are going to first really um, provoke my heart, challenge my heart, encourage my heart, because I know if it doesn't do that to me, it's not going to do it for you. And so I don't want to waste our time. I want to get into God's Word and be able to uh, encourage you, challenge you, and just pray that God will open our eyes and our hearts to what He has for us on this Memorial Day weekend as we remember those who have died, those who have sacrificed, and all the things that we do over this weekend. It's not just an opportunity to have a picnic, which we will probably do that, but let's also remember those who have gone on before us as we celebrate their lives, we celebrate what they meant to us. And so uh, let's go ahead and start with prayer, and then we're going to jump into God's Word this morning. Father, we thank you for the awesome day that you've given us. As I look out among uh, this great number of folks that have um, chosen to be in your house this morning, we're we're so grateful, Lord, for their commitment, their faithfulness. And we pray for Pastor Rich and his wife as they are uh, still there in Israel and uh, apparently coming home this week. We ask God that you would give them safety and, Lord, that it's been a, a wonderful opportunity for them to reconnect and to get refreshed and pray that you would bring them back as they uh, begin this summer um, activity here at the church. God, that it would be a blessing to all, and Father, that uh, we would be drawn closer to you. We ask right now that you would open our hearts, whatever is going on in our lives right now. Help us, Lord, to kind of push that aside. Let's be present, Lord. Help us to be here and listen and hear and really contemplate what you have for us this morning. And Father, we ask that you would do your will in our lives. We need you, especially in this day and age, as we're looking out and seeing so many things that are so messed up. Father, we need you more than ever. Thank you so much for your love and your care. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hopefully you have your Bibles this morning. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to look at a couple of verses that are very familiar. But I want to take these two verses and use them as a jumping off point as we talk about a very important topic that I think is pertinent to all of us, and it has to do with waiting on the Lord. Um, We all wait for something, and uh, we're going to kind of talk about that and how God uses these times of waiting for His glory and our good. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 30 and 31 says this, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But verse 31, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I love that verse in particular. I have been a 60-year-old for one month now. And one thing that I've come to the conclusion, I don't like it. Not happy with 60. I thought 55 was bad, 60 is worse. So this week has been the the second to the last week of school. I I run a school in uh, New Hampshire, and this is the last full week of school. And yesterday was our uh, senior's graduation. 
And so I was running, doing that, making sure that was successful, and then going to all the different parties that the seniors invited me to. And I got home last night, because I work in New Hampshire, I live in Massachusetts, and I preach in, in Rhode Island. So there's, you kind of see my life there. Um, so I got home last night, and my wife uh, welcomed me home, and I'm thankful for her, but I was absolutely exhausted. My mind was happy and youthful, my body, not so much. So I got to bed, and I knew it was going to come here this morning. I'd already prepared for it, thank the Lord, earlier uh, for this message. But I was thinking, God, it's going to have to be your strength, because I'm weary. You know, I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, I want to be a blessing. I want to be a challenge and encouragement, but I'm tired. And you can probably identify with me in, in many respects. Maybe not today, but maybe sometime in the past, and definitely sometime in the future. Waiting on the Lord is something that is really difficult to do. Some of you in this congregation are waiting for test results. You've given blood, you've had some tests done, and you're waiting for the results of those tests. Some of you are waiting for a financial blessing. Some of you are waiting on a child that has gone astray. There's an, an innumerable amount of things that we can be waiting for, and there's one common denominator, it's always painful. It's always difficult. We are in a hurry to get everything done. I mean, I, I look, I'm, a, I'm a really bad offender of that because my life is so much things, good things to do that sometimes it's a little bit overwhelming. So we want to make sure that we have a proper understanding of what it means to wait. This can also impact our prayer life. When we pray, we want God to answer now. And sometimes we're so desperate, we absolutely need to hear now. But the one thing I've learned in my Christian, been a Christian over 40 years, is that God doesn't operate on my timetable. I may say, God, I need an answer by tomorrow. I may not get the answer tomorrow. I may get it Wednesday or Thursday. And you understand what I'm talking about this morning. So one of the things I want to look at this morning is God's character and what he's trying to do in your life and my life when he makes us wait. We have some answers in God's word about this time of waiting. Now, we know that God's character is revealed in the Bible and it is easily seen that God does not answer in our timetable. Abraham was promised his son 25 years later, he got the son. When his body was way past the time of being able to be a father, and Sarah's body was definitely beyond that time. 25 years, God answered his prayer. Joseph had dreams. People would bow down to him. He had to go through the pit. He had to go through Potiphar's house, and he had to go through prison to finally be exalted. But he came through. Lazarus. Mary or Martha had called for God to come and heal him, but Jesus tarried, and he didn't come until after Lazarus had died. In fact, Martha was so upset that she actually said, Jesus, not in these words, I'm paraphrasing greatly here, you messed up, Jesus. Because you came late, my brother died. Your friend, Lazarus, died. In fact, there are over 50 times in the Bible we're instructed to wait on the Lord. 
Some of the most difficult times in our walk with the Lord are times of waiting on the Lord. And these are difficult times. These are times when you're up all night begging God, seeking His face, crying. There are times when uh, in our relationships with our spouses, I remember early in my marriage, we would stay up all night trying to figure this thing out. There were some times that we would think, hey, the sun's going to come up tomorrow, but we're not going to make it. If you've been married for any length of time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It can be very painful, these times of waiting. We need to be prepared to wait on the Lord. Now, there's a couple of options we have. We can either get better or we can get bitter. Those are the choices that we have. And by the end of this lesson, hopefully you'll be able to make that choice to get better because of it. Why does God seem to remain silent when we desperately need him? There's two reasons why I want to share with you this morning. I know I should have three, but I could only come up with two really good ones. So here's the first one. First reason that God um, provides or gives us times of waiting. Number one, God remains silent to refine us. God remains silent to refine us. God's plan for our life says that we are going to be like Christ. He's doing everything he does to make us look like Jesus Christ. He uh, remains silent, and his plan includes obedience. I've talked about this before when I've been here. Importance, the importance of obedience. God wants us to obey him. In order for us to submit our will to his will, he causes us to go through these times of refinement and to view life the way he does. It's real easy for us as Christians to look and focus on the problems and not Jesus or not God, but he wants us to keep our focus on him. We need to view life the way he does. So he's got a plan for our life. God's process in this plan is a word refining. So listen to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. It says this, Beloved, he's talking to Christians, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. I love this. It's a little bit sarcastic. He says, if you're a born-again believer, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, do not think it's strange when difficult times come into your life. Because it's normal, it's natural, and there is a purpose for it. So you think about the, whatever fire or trial you're going through right now, we should not be surprised by it. Yes, it's painful. Yes, it's difficult. And it's hard to get through. But let's not be surprised by it, because God is going to use those moments to make us look like Jesus. I've shared with you my life verse, Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That has to be an encouragement to you. I know it's an encouragement to me. That means that God doesn't waste any problems. He uses all of them, the ones that are really hurtful, the ones that are semi-hurtful, all the problems to make us look like Jesus. These fiery trials refer to a smelting furnace. Listen to Psalm 66, verse 10. For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. So there is purpose to what God is allowing in your life right now. Whatever that is, you can visualize what it is right now. Whatever it is, God is going to use it. He's promised to use it to better us 
to draw us closer to him. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Think about that. What we view as a horrible experience, and we can't wait to get past it, God views as a thing that's going to shape us and mold us and purify us to look more like Jesus. That's a totally different perspective. You know, a smelting furnace uh, purifies gold and silver, and we need to get this. Nothing just happens in the life of a Christian. Let me say that again. Nothing just happens in the life of a Christian. There is a plan. There is a God who loves us. And there is a goal that God has got for each one of us. God uses everything. Flat tire. Hard to see how God uses that, but he does. Uh, Running short on money. A health issue, the list goes on and on. God uses all of it. Waiting on the Lord is part of God's plan to purify us. God's goal, as we mentioned, is to refine us. Wait on the Lord means to eagerly and patiently anticipate God's work in our life. I've said this before. Let's not go through life apathetically. Let's go, don't go through life complacently. Let's be awake. Let's have our eyeballs open. We are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Don't be surprised when you are tempted in the area that you have struggled with in the past. Satan is not an idiot. He's not going to waste his time on you or me on things he knows are not going to be successful. So don't be surprised that. Nor should we be surprised that God uses things to test our faith and to draw us closer to him. He does these things. Listen to Psalm 40, verse 1. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. There's an active relationship between us and God. Wait on the Lord means to trust him for the strength to endure the entire trial. He's promised us that he's going to take care of us. I think about me as a parent. I think about my my son and my daughter. You know, there were times that we used as teachable moments, and parents, you may know what I'm talking about. You allow your children to fail a bit so you can help them know how to correctly and faithfully navigate adverse times. You don't let them bottom out. You're there with that safety net. But they have to experience some adversity in order to grow. I would far rather my child struggle and suffer under my supervision than to act like nothing is wrong and bail them out every time. And then when they get to adulthood, they have no clue how to respond to problems. We're not there to help. We're not there to be a blessing. God has a similar perspective. Romans 8, 37, he says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What is the reason we need refining? Because we're weak. Or verse 31 in Isaiah 40 says, we faint. I've already admitted to you that I'm bone weary this morning. Tired. 
But because God lives in me, because I have the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm energized. I'm able to, to do the things that God has called me to do. And all the things he uses to do that is God is there in and through my problems, and there are a lot of them, to help me realize God is faithful. He is faithful. I want you to turn to Psalm 27. Psalm 27, there is a tremendous couple of verses that I know you're familiar with, but I want you to see them again and realize the import of these, uh, these words. Psalm 27, the book of Psalms has seemed to disappear in my Bible. No, there it is right there. Not to fear, I found it. All right, Psalm 27, look in verses 13 and 14. I love these two verses. This is David talking here. He says this, and maybe you've been here before. I certainly have. He says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 14. Think about these words, see them, apply them to your heart. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. And just in case we didn't hear it the first time, he says it again. Wait, I say, on the Lord. This is David, the guy who killed Goliath, who was like nine feet tall and a warrior. This is that same guy saying, I'm weary. I'm losing faith here, struggling. He's losing heart. Isn't this comforting to know that even David and some of these guys that we look in the Bible and say, these guys are phenomenal, they struggle too. We're not weirdos because we struggle. That's the way it is. God has got a plan. He's working his plan. And he's, he's shaping and molding us to look like Jesus. And that includes struggles. God put David in a time of waiting on God to strengthen his heart. Doesn't that seem counterintuitive? Sometimes when you go through problems, we are weary, we're discouraged, we're, we're depressed, and it seems like we get weaker. But God's goal is through that time, we realize it's not my strength that I depend on. It's God's strength. And when we do that, when we realize it's not me, it's God, then our strength increases. Our faith increases. Now listen to this. God was teaching David David's responsibility, which is wait. Sometimes that's all we can do is wait. We can't change it. We can't make it different. We just have to wait. That was David's responsibility. He was also teaching David about his attitude. He says, good courage. Believe. Have faith. God's going to do it. So our job is to wait. Our job is to have good courage. And then David's hope is that God shall. He shall strengthen your heart. It's not going to come when we want it to come, though. I didn't get that. Did Syria always pipes in when, she, when I'm not, not interested in hearing her commentary. Are you waiting right now? Are you waiting for something? Are you in a season where God is refining you and you feel like you're about to explode? Maybe at nighttime when no one else is around, 
You're shedding tears, frustration, pain, despair. You know who knows that? God does. God is not delighting in our pain. He's using our pain for us to look up. Receive strength from God during those times of pain and despair. Before the answer comes, God wants us to be confident that we will survive this time of waiting. Even the best Christians are subject to fainting when our trials and our grievous, are grievous and tedious. We feel overwhelmed and we feel like we just don't have the heart to go on. We've all been there. The key is we must believe to see, not see to believe. God has called us to a life of faith. The world says, if I see it, I'll believe it. For the Christian, it's the opposite. We must believe to see. That's what God is interested in. There's only a couple of times in the New Testament where we see Jesus impressed. And it's always the same thing. Can you imagine Jesus being amazed with something you do? Jesus is amazed when we demonstrate faith. When everything in our world screams to turn your back on God and we keep on believing, that is impressive to God. How's your faith this morning? There are times when we want to quit. We want to say, you know, this Christian thing, we tried it, we're out. Don't quit. Don't faint. Sometimes we feel like God is asking us to do the impossible. And I will say this, the Christian life is impossible. We cannot live the Christian life apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the the only way we can live this life. God knows how we feel and what we fear and how that is hindering our relationship with him and our service to him. He wants us to understand all things are possible in his strength. We know Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Trusting in our ability, our mental capacity and strength will cause us to fall. It will cause us to fail. We need his strength. Do you know that God wants to renew your strength? He wants to exchange my inability, my lack of strength, for his ability and his strength. When we patiently and eagerly wait on him, he will give us wings to soar, to run and not be weary, and to walk and not faint. What is the result of refining? Confidence. I remember, uh, I, I think I've shared this before, both my children are adopted. My wife and I were married for 12 years, did everything we could humanly do to have kids. Closed door. A lot of t- tears, a lot of frustration. Why, God? We're serving you. We're in the ministry. Why? All the typical questions. Twelve years into our marriage, God gave us the revelation, not an re- actual revelation, but the knowledge that wasn't going to happen. Not the natural way, anyway. So God gave us the peace to pursue adoption. So we started, cha- started changing our prayer life to God opened the door for us to be able to adopt a child. And he did. And we were able to adopt my son, Trevor, uh, at, he was uh, two days old. 
And we had worked with the birth mother for seven months up to that point. Four years later, we started praying for another child, uh, our daughter, McKenna. We adopted her at two days of age, started working with her birth mother about uh, six months, I guess it was. One of the things I learned through that is this. When you need the impossible done, only God can do it. We couldn't change our situation. I couldn't make my body or my wife's body have children. It just wasn't going to happen. So it took a miracle, and he did it. What miracle are you guys looking for? Is it your marriage? Is it your relationship with your children? Are you wanting kids and can't have kids? Is it a financial situation? Is it a health situation? What is it? What miracle do you need? Where's your faith in relation to that? It's easy to get angry with God. He's convenient. He's available. Doesn't change anything. He wants us to have confidence. David would, uh, would have lost heart unless he knew God was going to come and help. That's why he sent the lion and the bear. Remember David killed the lion and the bear? That's why he sent Goliath. He killed Goliath. That's why God was removing Saul and making him a king without David killing Saul. It's all about the refining fire, the process. He uses these things. He's using what he's doing in your life, preparing you for your future. David ended his psalm by saying, wait, I say, on the Lord. He was saying to his own heart, I accept this. I have to wait. The wait is worth it. The refining fire is worth it. I hope that's your testimony. I sure want it to be my testimony. So that was number one. God remains silent as he refines us and to refine us. Number two, last point. God remains silent to establish a deeper relationship with us. That's what he wants. We're busy. We've got lives. We spend a lot of time and effort on relationships that we can see. But the one that we can't see is the one he wants. We're too busy to pray. We're too busy to read his word. Sometimes we're too busy to come to church. And all he wants is a relationship with us. And not just a relationship. He wants a deep relationship. Part of the reason God remains silent is to establish a deeper relationship than we thought even possible. This is true. Difficult times can make for deeper relationships. I remember when we first got married, we'd been married all of six months, maybe. And we were living, we were college, in this one-room apartment. What's that called, a studio apartment? What I know about that is no place to run. You can't get away. So I remember in our marriage, six months old, my wife was the fixer and I was the avoider. We've both grown a little bit since then, 38 years later. But I remember wherever I went in the apartment, she was following me. I couldn't get away from her. And I couldn't see myself going to the bathroom and locking it. That probably wouldn't last very long. So I'm just going around the apartment trying to get away from her. And she said, we're going to deal with this. We're going to deal with this. Not now. Not now. Got to the point where I got so frustrated, I did something that I had never, had never done before. There was a pillow on the bed. Not a big one, just a throw pillow. And I was, okay, I was angry. I was going to say frustrated, but I was angry. So I grabbed that pillow and it, and as I was coming down to the pillow, it kind of slowed down. I don't know. I've seen this on TV, but I felt this way. It was like in slow motion. And I'm thinking, is this the response that I want to set a precedent for in my relationship? 
By the time my hand hit the pillow, I said, no. I have not been tempted in 38 years since then to even think about throwing something at my wife. God uses things to prepare us for bigger things. A deeper relationship. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. And let's look at uh, verses 19 through 22. Almost done. Romans chapter 4, verses 19 through 22. Once again, familiar verses. This is a compliment from God through Paul about Abraham. Romans chapter 4, verse 19 says this, And not being weak in the faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God though or through unbelief, but was, here's the key word, strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had, what God, what God had promised, he was also able to perform Verse 22, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. In verse 19, we see that his faith did not weaken when every year it became more and more impossible for him to have a son. Verse 20, he did not waver in unbelief. Verse 20, he was strengthened in faith. Verse 21, he was fully convinced. Ladies and gentlemen, that's where we need to be. That's faith. That's belief. That's trust. God takes us through these times of waiting because he wants to develop a, a deeper relationship with him and that we are able to trust him and to believe in him, have confidence in him. When God seems silent, we need a plan. And I'm going to close with this this morning. When God seems uh, silent, we need a plan. Waiting on the Lord is a potential pathway to blessing. First of all, you need to recognize that God is at work. We need to think about problems as opportunities and realize that if God is taking us through a difficult season, there is a purpose for it and there is a pathway to blessing. He's at work. Our time of waiting did not come along by accident, no matter what the circumstances are. Since God is at work, we know he has a purpose and a plan. Let me, let me read this one verse to you guys. Think about this verse as I read it. Habakkuk 2.1. We're familiar with Habakkuk. He had lots of issues, lots of problems, just like us. But I love his proactive stance to problems. He says, I will stand my watch. I will stand my watch. So this is a guy. He says, I will. That's the I will of determination. He is actively saying, I'm not going to wither. I'm not going to roll up into a fetal position. I'm going to stand up. I will stand my watch. He's not going to stop working. And then he goes on and says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. So a rampart is that position on a castle that stands watch. It's a, a defensive position. So he says, I'm going I'm to stand my watch. I'm going to be present. And then I'm going to be at my position of responsibility. Life doesn't stop because we have problems. 
Children still need to be cared for. Work still has to be done. Uh, all the things that we're responsible for, we still have to do those things, even though we're ripped apart inside. Habakkuk is saying that I will stand my watch, I will set myself on the rampart, and I love the next couple of phrases. He says, and watch to see what he will say to me. Are you waiting to see what God is going to say to you through his word, through circumstances, through people? Maybe this message is what God is using to communicate to you this morning. Maybe you're in that season of waiting right now, and you're hearing this message and you're saying, Yes, that's it. I watch to see what he will say to me, and I like this next part, and what I will answer when I am corrected. Maybe there's sin in our lives. Maybe there's something that's not right, it's not glorifying God, and maybe God has taken us through a difficult time of refinement to address that problem. Habakkuk was ready said, I'm watching, I'm waiting, I'm listening, I'm working. And just in case there's sin in my life, I'm ready to hear it so I can deal with it. Confess it. Decide now, ladies and gentlemen, how you will face a time of waiting. There are a lot of you in this room not in a time of waiting. Guys are, hey, we're, this is not bad. It's pretty good. Good season right now. But it's coming. Decide now how you're going to face that time of waiting. There's two things I want you to do what I need to do. First, choose to draw closer to God, not fall away. That's the first choice that we need to make before we go into a time of waiting. Choose to draw closer to God, not fall away. James chapter 4, verse 8 says this, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So the first one is choose to draw closer to God and not fall away. Number two, second choice, choose joy, not despair. Choose joy, not despair. Once we become aware that God is at work in each of our lives, we're going to go through tough times with joy. The last verse I'll refer you to is James 1, verse 2. He says, my brethren, talking to Christians, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. How can we do that? When we know the purpose of those trials. When we know that is Romans 8.28, as we mentioned, he's working all these things for good for us and his glory. When we know that, we can have joy. Notice I didn't say happiness. If you're going through trials this morning, I'm guessing you're not filled with happiness right now. You're not doing cartwheels down the aisles. Woohoo! I get to suffer for Jesus. We're not doing that. But there's a joy knowing that God, first of all, is working in and through my life and that there is a goal and a refinement that I'm going to go through that will, on the other side will honor him and glorify him and cause me to mature. That's where the joy comes from, knowing that God's working these things out. If your focus is Jesus, then the joy is possible. In conclusion this morning... Are you enduring a time of waiting right now? Are you waiting on God for something? Have you been frustrated? Have you been discouraged? Is your heart broken? Take heart from these words this morning to realize that God 
is doing some, something awesome in your life. It's hard. I don't want to go through it. I know you don't. But I can have joy because I know the end result will result in me being closer to God and stronger in my faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to look at your word. And Lord, I know that there might be someone in this room right now that just desperately needed to hear this message. I know I did. And I ask God that you would just help us hang on. Hang on to you and realize that you love us. That you want us to grow in our faith. And this is the way it happens through tough times. It's nice to have a problem-free life, but it's not realistic. It's not life. So I pray that you would help each person here this morning that might be going through that time of waiting to hang on. Maybe there's someone here this morning that doesn't even have any idea about this relationship with God. I ask that you would help them to recognize that they need a Savior. We have sin that has to be dealt with. Not just the original sin, but the sins that we do every day. Someone's going to pay for that. Either we'll pay for it or Jesus paid for it on the cross. And I pray for that individual who may not even be a, a Christian, uh, a child of you, that they would make that commitment today and recognize that you have said today is the day of salvation. We need to be saved. I ask God that you would be with Pastor Rich and his wife as they are traveling home, that you would give them safety and help them, Lord, to be able to have the strength that they need from you to lead this fantastic church to greater heights. Thank you for your love, and we thank you for Jesus who makes all of this possible. For it's in, in his holy and powerful name we pray. Amen.